Our reading this morning is Habakkuk chapter 3, which you'll find on page 942 in your Green Bibles. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord, which are wroth against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as they're about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm a ministry trainee here at St. Paul's. Uh, Let's pray for God's help as we come before his word, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to pause and hear from your word. Please speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Please remind us what you're like. And so equip us to face this broken world with fresh hope. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Today we're finishing off the book of Habakkuk uh, with chapter 3. And let me tell you, this is a wonderful chapter. Uh, Perhaps you recognise during the reading those final verses of the book. uh, A famous expression of deep trust in God in awful circumstances. Let me just read verse 17 because it's so great. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Those words are so beautiful, aren't they? No matter how bad life gets, God will sustain me. And that means that even in the worst circumstances, I can be joyful. That's where we're headed. That's where the book of Habakkuk lands. Uh, As endings to books go, it's a pretty good one, isn't it? But look, I don't know about you, but when I hear those beautiful verses, I can't help but think, how can you say that, Habakkuk? I mean, how can he possibly rejoice in the Lord? Because remember, Habakkuk, he's in horrendous circumstances. The book opens with a complaint to God. Uh, Flip back a page, chapter one, verse two. Habakkuk says, how long, Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Where are you, God? I thought we were Judah, your covenant people. I thought you were on our side, but we're being invaded by the Babylonians. What's going on? God, have you forgotten us? How can Habakkuk talk about rejoicing when those are his circumstances? Perhaps you feel that tension in your own life too. Has God forgotten me? Does God care about what I'm going through? Does God care that my paycheck isn't stretching far enough anymore and I can't pay my bills? Does God care that my marriage is struggling and I just can't see how it could get better? Does God care that I'm living in a fog of anxiety or depression that just doesn't seem to lift? Does God care that since I lost a loved one, each day is covered by a dark cloud? God, have you forgotten me? Our world is ravaged by death and sadness, isn't it? I'm sure there'll be many here this morning who hear verses like this and think, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord, but I just can't. Lord, I just can't see how I could do that at the moment. If that's you, then Habakkuk 3 was written for you. The book of Habakkuk was written for you. And so today we're going to get into Habakkuk's head and ask Habakkuk, how can you rejoice in God amid desolation? Habakkuk says he'll be joyful in God. What's gone into his fuel tank that lets him say that? You know, I want some of what he's having, please. That sounds great. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it. There's no magic words we can say that will just vanish the pain of this world away. You know that, I know that. Habakkuk knows that too. But my prayer for today is that in some small way, each of us can begin to make Habakkuk chapter three our own prayer. That we'll get a taste of what our God is like, uh, that he hasn't forgotten us. And so maybe we can leave church this morning with something to cling to. Habakkuk three then, Uh, it's a song, a song kind of like you might find in the book of Psalms. uh, And it's Habakkuk's response to God's words in chapter two. Uh, Do you remember last time we heard God say, Habakkuk, I will destroy that bully Babylon. So wait for that and live by faith. And so this song is Habakkuk's response to God's words. Uh, We'll look at the song under two headings. I've got them on your uh, notice sheet there. Uh, Firstly, God strides to save his people. And then secondly, wait with joy amid desolation. So that's where we're going. Uh, First then, God strides to save his people, verses 1 to 15. 
So Habakkuk starts in verse two. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So the thing that's running through Habakkuk's mind in this section is God's reputation, his track record. Uh, I'm no expert on cinema, but I know that if you go and see a film from a given director, uh, you can sort of guess what the film's going to be like based on their previous stuff, right? You know, if you go and watch a Michael Bay film, you know it's going to be high action and faintly ridiculous. Uh, If you go to a Christopher Nolan film, you know you're going to come out deeply confused. Uh, A person's reputation tells you how they'll act in the future, doesn't it? Uh, So what is God's reputation? If the Lord of Israel is your God, what can you expect him to do? That's what Habakkuk is dwelling on in verses 3 to 15. Uh, The verse is a kind of a poetic vision of God and what he's like. Uh, And I think if I had to choose two verses, I think the heart of it is verse 12 and 13. I think this is a pretty good summary of the section. Let me read those for us. Chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. In wrath you, that's God, strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. So what is God's reputation according to Habakkuk? I summarized it as God strides to save his people. God strides to save his people. Because that language of God striding on the earth, going somewhere, walking powerfully with a purpose, it is peppered through these verses. Uh, Maybe you spotted some of them. Uh, Let's quickly whiz through. Verse 3, it says, God came from Teman, the Holy One, from Mount Param. You know, came from, from, he's going somewhere. Verse 5, pestilence followed his steps. Verse 6, he stood and shook the earth. End of verse 6, he marches on forever. Verse 12, in wrath you strode through the earth. Verse 13, you came out to deliver your people. What kind of God do we have? We have a God who strides. He intervenes, he acts mightily, shaking creation. And the Lord, he's striding to save his people. Did you see there's two references to that uh, in verse 13? It says, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. In other words, God has a people. He knows who they are, and when they're in trouble, he saves them. Uh, I'm a big fan of soft play centers. Uh, they're great. You can go on a rainy Saturday morning, chuck your kids in this big foamy playground, kind of just leave them to it. Uh, and it's very nice, you know, because I, I can go off to the cafe with a Kit Kat and my kids are having a great time. Uh, but then as soon as I hear my daughter crying or shouting, Daddy! Then my relaxing time in the cafe ends, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I jump up, put my phone in my pocket, stuff the rest of my Kit Kat into my mouth, and I run into the soft play uh, to check on my kids. Uh, I don't think about it. I don't weigh up the pros and cons. They're my kids. They're my responsibility. Uh, To use the language of the passage, they're my anointed ones. Of course I'll go and save them. Uh, It's a silly example, but I think it works. God has a people. They're his. When they're in trouble, he saves them. Of course he does. God saves his people. Uh, And then also notice, uh, this song of Habakkuk's is, is full of references to earlier bits of the Bible. Uh, It's full of references to times in the past when God did mightily intervene to save his people. Uh, Here's just one example. There's lots we could choose. Here's one. Verse 11. 
it says, sun and moon stood still in the heavens. Uh, If you know your Old Testament uh, and you read that, you're immediately reminded of Joshua chapter 10, uh, where God shows that he's fighting for Israel by making the sun and moon stand still. Uh, And in chapter 3, there's a bunch of other references to Exodus and Mount Sinai and so on. Uh, If that means nothing to you, don't worry. Uh, The important thing today is to see that Habakkuk has piled up references to concrete times in the past where God has saved his people. And so you see, that, that underlines the message, doesn't it? God strives to save his people, and he's done it so many times in the past. Time after time after time, God always saves his people. It's just what he does. This might be a bit of a niche reference, but uh, stick with me. Does anyone, does anyone remember the BBC Robin Hood series? It was on in about 2006. I'm getting one nod. Anyone, put your hand up. Who remembers that? Robin Hood on the BBC, 2006. Okay, a few. Good, it wasn't just me. Uh, we loved it. It was on Saturday nights. I had a really good theme tune. Um, and basically, in this Robin Hood series, the same thing would happen every single week. Robin and his friends would kind of go around being outlaws, shooting arrows and stuff. And then each week, one of them would get caught by the evil sheriff of Nottingham. uh, And he'd throw them in jail and schedule them for hanging the next morning. (gasps) Oh, no. Uh, But then, guess what? Robin would sneak into the jail and rescue them. Uh, And from what I could tell, this would basically happen every single week. Uh, So then suppose that you are one of Robin Hood's friends, uh, and you've been thrown in jail. I mean, on paper, that doesn't sound great, does it? Being scheduled for hanging the next morning. But then you might think, oh, you know what? Maid Marian was thrown in jail last week, and Robin rescued her. And you know, two weeks ago, Friar Tuck was thrown in jail, and Robin rescued him too. And you know, three weeks ago, I think little John was thrown in jail, and Robin rescued him too. Oh, maybe I do fancy my chances after all. And I think that's kind of the journey that Habakkuk's been on. Uh, God promises in chapter 2 to judge the Babylonians... And Habakkuk thinks, oh yeah, that's the kind of God I have. He doesn't forget his promises. He saved his people time after time in the past, and he'll do it again. Rescue is certain. We have a wonderful rescuing God, don't we? The Bible is packed full of stories of God rescuing his people time after time, no matter how little they deserve it. And that's what Habakkuk remembers. God strives to save his people. Uh, And then our second point, wait with joy amid desolation. So Habakkuk, he's remembered what God is like and he's given given us this incredible poetic vision of God striding on the earth to save his people and judge their oppressors. Uh, So now in verse 16, after this soaring triumphant bit, we come right back down to earth with the threat of the Babylonians. Habakkuk writes in verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. The Babylonians are coming and Habakkuk is terrified. It's incredible vivid language, isn't it? You can really feel his fear. His heart is pounding, his lips are quivering. The terrors entered his whole body. His legs feel like they're going rotten and they're going to crumble beneath him. I remember watching a news report from Kiev last year, uh, just before the fighting started, and the reporter was saying, 
The Russian forces are almost within striking distance. Tomorrow morning, they'll be here. And at that moment, I was sitting at home, but I remember feeling just a wave of dread coming over me. They're coming. It's terrifying. So Habakkuk's trembling at the thought of the Babylonians. But look at what comes next. End of verse 16, he says, Yet... I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Even as he trembles with fear, he resolves to wait. We often talk about humans having a fight or flight response, don't we? You know, when you get threatened and you sense danger is near, you feel the urge either to fight or to run away and protect yourself. But Habakkuk does neither of those. As he trembles with fear, He resolves to wait, doesn't fight, doesn't take flight, he waits. That's a big change in Habakkuk, isn't it? Uh, The first line of the book, chapter one, verse two, uh, begins with Habakkuk saying, how long, Lord, must I call for help? And now at the end of the book, we see him say, Lord, my circumstances, they haven't changed at all. In fact, they've got worse, but I will wait. And look at what makes it possible for Habakkuk to wait. Uh, Habakkuk says, back in chapter 3, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. That's the change in Habakkuk. That's what God has taught him in this book. Calamity will come on the Babylonians. God gives him no room for doubt. Woe to the Babylonians. God strides to save his people. Justice is certain. And so Habakkuk can wait patiently. He can live by faith and wait. And while he waits, he sings the beautiful words of verses 17 to 19. Let me read from verse 17 again, chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk says, despite everything going on, I will rejoice in the Lord. But look, this isn't a trite joy. Look at how realistic he is. Uh, He describes himself living in utter desolation. The tree isn't budding, the crops are failing, the livestock have all been carried off. I think sometimes we read those verses with our modern eyes and we think, oh, that's a shame, his garden's struggling. Uh, But he's describing utter catastrophe. You know, in those days, if your crop fails, you and your family starve. That's what Habakkuk's facing. But Habakkuk can still rejoice amid catastrophe, desolation, because he knows who God is. He says, God, I know you haven't forgotten me. I worship the mighty God who strides to save his people. I worship the God whose track record has shown time and time again that he always delivers his people. My God never forgets his people and one day we will be saved. So I can wait with joy amid desolation. I'll live by faith even as I tremble at the sound of the Babylonians. 
What makes you tremble? Maybe let's just take 20 seconds to think in the quiet. What in your life makes you tremble like Habakkuk? What makes you wonder if God's forgotten you? Let's take 20 seconds now. What makes you tremble? Our world is full of desperate, bleak situations, isn't it? For Habakkuk, it was the Babylonians. But you know, look, for Habakkuk, even if the Babylonians got defeated, it's, it's not as if life would be smooth sailing after that, is it? He'd still be living in a world full of death and sadness and wickedness. That's no closer to being fixed. In the Old Testament, you see dozens of examples of God saving his people, and then a short time later, they turn away again, and then they need saving again and again and again. God's people need more than just liberation from an invading army. They need something decisive, a permanent fix. And so uh, Pete said this in the service a few weeks ago. How jealous of us Habakkuk would be if he knew what we know with our New Testament eyes. Because for you and me, as we read that vision of God striding to save his people, we know what that vision was truly pointing towards. Because we know that God did walk on earth. We know that God himself came down to live among us. And he knew deeply all the pain of living in this world. And he too walked to save his people, going from town to town and unraveling the effects of the curse, healing the sick, driving out demons, raising the dead. And ultimately, he walked to save his people by carrying his cross up the hill to his execution. He died. And he took on himself all the wrath for our sins, defeating our enemy, the devil. And three days later, he was raised from the dead and brought new life to everyone who trusts in his glorious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's the decisive final way that God saves his people. And so for you today, if you're a Christian, you have been saved by him. It happened in the past. It's already happened. There's no maybe about it. Jesus Christ is the one who makes it possible for us to wait with joy amid desolation. So with Habakkuk 3 and the good news of the gospel in our minds, how should we live? Uh, I've summarized it with those three words on your service sheets. Uh, remember, wait, and rejoice. First, remember. <clears throat> uh, what is it that changes in Habakkuk? What changes him from crying out to God to faithfully waiting? It's remembering, isn't it? Look again at chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And we read that verse as people of the risen Lord Jesus, and we say, yep, me too. Habakkuk, you better believe we've got some deeds of the Lord to stand in awe of. So this week, uh, perhaps like Habakkuk, you could remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember what he's done. Open his word, dwell in it. Let God, you know, rub your face in what he's like. And most of all, remember what he's done at the cross. That's what fueled Habakkuk's trust in God. And by God's grace, it'll fuel your trust in him too. First, remember. Uh, secondly, we should wait. Uh, the book ends, doesn't it, with Habakkuk waiting. It's not immediately very satisfying, is it? You kind of expect stories to end with everything tied up and happy. You know, no more waiting. But waiting is part of the Christian life. 
And that's not easy, is it? Because some circumstances are so hard. And waiting in them is so painful. And Habakkuk gets that. His legs trembled with fear and he trembles with us at the darkness this world can bring. We live in a fallen world full of darkness and death. Sometimes all we can do is wait. What does it mean for us to wait as Christians? Uh, Well, we know, don't we, that one day the Lord Jesus will return and that he'll end all the suffering in this world. He'll sweep it away. So let's live with that day in our vision. It reminded me a bit of this. Uh, You know when you're waiting for a bus, you kind of get there and you look up at the little screen and it says, 30 minutes. Oh, great, got to wait. So you sit down, maybe get your phone out. But while you're waiting, if you're anything like me, you know, you're on your phone, can't stop looking at the screen, you know, 13 minutes, 12 minutes, 10 minutes, 10, nine minutes, you know, on it goes, on it goes. Uh, you keep looking up at that screen, don't you? And it gives you hope. It gives you hope that the promise that your bus is getting closer and closer. You're waiting, but you're waiting with hope. We don't have a countdown in our life telling us how close we are to meeting Jesus. You know, every day that passes in this broken world, it is one less day standing between us and being with our Creator. So whatever you're going through, each day you are one day closer to glory. So keep your eyes fixed on that coming glory while you wait. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, future glory. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Press on. Keep your eyes fixed on that future hope. Uh, And then a second suggestion on waiting. Wait together. God gives us the wonderful gift of church family, Christian brothers and sisters, We're all waiting, aren't we? Every one of us through different circumstances. Let's wait together. We're lucky at St. Paul's to have so many ways to wait together. We've got midweek small groups, our prayer meetings, a church lunch, a chat after the service. Uh, Why not use those times to share what's going on in your life with others? Uh, Share what you're waiting through. Encourage each other with the hope of glory. Waiting alone sucks. Let's wait together. Remember, wait, and then finally we'll finish with this. We can rejoice. Uh, The book of Habakkuk ends with Habakkuk saying in verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. And Habakkuk would say that likewise, as Christians, we do always have a reason to rejoice. Now look, when you read the words joyful and rejoicing, I think we instinctively picture someone who's just won the X factor, you know, jumping around and kind of sobbing uncontrollably. Uh, And if that's your image of rejoicing, then these words of Habakkuk, they will sound very trite and out of touch with reality. You know, you can't be like that all the time. As Christians, we do always have a reason to rejoice. I was chatting this week to a man who wouldn't call himself a Christian, uh, and he said something very honest that caught me off guard. Uh, I can't quite remember the phrasing, but we were sitting in this building, uh, and he was looking up and around at the structure and the stones and the scale of it, And he said something like, you Christians, 
Sometimes I do wish I had the security that you Christians have. You know, the idea that no matter how chaotic the world feels, that, that through it all there's something solid at the center. I kind of wish I had that, he said. To which I, as a Christian, thought, oh yeah, I do have that, don't I? Uh, you, just, you don't think about it sometimes, do you? But when you do, that makes a big difference. If you're a Christian, the whole universe is built on the good news that God himself stepped into our world and died to save us. That's crazy, isn't it? You can always rejoice in that. You know, maybe not always an exuberant, visible joy, but a deep joy that sits in your heart and stays with you, guides you in the ups and downs of life while you wait. Knowing that one day that joy will be fully realized. If you're not a Christian and you think that sounds good, then why not find out more? Uh, we Christians believe we have good news to share and we would love to share it with you. Has God forgotten me? No, never. Let's be quiet for a minute uh, and maybe think about what's going on in your life. How might you remember, wait, rejoice? Let's take a minute. Heavenly Father, all of us are deeply aware of the pain that living in this world can bring. Thank you for Habakkuk and his honesty. I pray that we'll remember what you are truly like, the mighty God who intervenes and saves his people. And I pray that that picture of you will stick with us and give us fresh hope to rejoice in you while we wait. And above all, help us fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus, on what he's done, and on his return. Please can all our hope be in him. We pray in his glorious name. Amen.